Amen. If we could have our kiddos go downstairs, Miss Ann's going to have a great time set up for you down there. kind of funny when I see that video and I saw the little shoes at the end become the big shoes. You know, my son's not here. It's kind of weird, weird Sunday not having one of your kids here. He's on a missions trip. and uh, But it's funny. He wants the bigger shoes. And uh, having having the bigger shoes is, is really, he's like, Dad, I, what size should I, can I get it fit into? And it's always trying to get bigger and bigger shoes. And as you grow in the Lord, God gives you bigger shoes, doesn't he? And uh, I just wanted to say real quick, too. Um, Larry's funeral is tonight, uh, Larry Richardson, at Midway Village. Um, I realize it's Father's Day, but if you wanted to come, I'm going to be officiating that, and it's starting at 5 o'clock at Midway, the Midway Church. I don't know if you're acquainted with Midway Village, but they have an actual old-fashioned church there. Uh, if you'd like to come and support, they're going to have a memorial service there for them at 5 o'clock, and then immediate, immediately following, there'll be uh, like finger foods and stuff, but... Uh, we just appreciate everyone's um, help with them. Just be in prayer for them. We met this week and uh, just putting things together. I gotta, I gotta tell you, I don't want to say it's easier, but it sure uh, makes doing memorial services for those who go before us in the Lord uh, a whole lot more celebratory than than wondering the what ifs. And uh, Larry loved the Lord, and we're just um, thankful that he is celebrating right now uh, with the Father. So, what do we the Lord in prayer? Lord, I thank you today. For all the men in this place, for all the fathers, and for all the champions that have gone before us. And we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit moves. And, Lord, I thank you that you teach us and that you lead us and you guide us into all truth. And we just pray for your counsel today as we go before the throne room of grace and open up your word. Lord, I just pray that it would spark things, that it would awaken things in us um, that, Lord, may, may have been dormant before. We thank you for the blessing and the opportunity to be in this place here today, God. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Turn real quick to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. We'll start there. I want to talk about some needs that all of us fathers have. And uh, sometimes it's, it's okay to know, hey, I need some help. I uh, need help with these situations. And... Uh, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8 says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made their, the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that uh, reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And I love that. I, I think for us men today and for the fathers here in this place, when you go through rough times, I love that says when... Droughts happen for many months. They're not worried. And um, some things I want to talk about in making a father today. Number one, a father needs a guide. We saw that video today, and he was joking. He's like, yeah, I, I don't know it at all where I am. I need someone to tell me directions. We need a guide. We need help. Uh, a father needs an armor bearer. I think it's very important as being a father to have people around you that help bear you up and uh, and, and help you with the battles that you're facing. And then the other thing is, a father needs an opportunity. And uh, I love that. Uh, we live in a nation full of opportunity, uh, but also in our spiritual walks. God has a kingdom that gives us the opportunity to do things. 
Um, one thing I want to say, too, about fathers is this. I read this quote. It says, fatherhood doesn't resemble being a mechanic. We can't fix things with a turn of a socket wrench. It's much slower work, subtle work. Sometimes we don't even know what we're doing is even working. How many can I get a good amen there? See, what we want to do in our own lives is we want to fix things. And men, sometimes we get into that problem where we have a problem that we're facing and we get into fix-it modes and it's not quick like a mechanical kind of thing and we just get a socket wrench and that's what I believe sometimes happens with the Bible. And as opposed to looking at a text and allowing a relationship develop, we want to go to this and say, okay, my kid's having this problem or I'm having this issue. Now what verse can I apply to this? Get the socket wrench in there so that we don't have to deal with the problem anymore. How many have been there? Life is not like a bunch of socket wrenches and we can just fix that. We need a guide in our life and we need the Holy Spirit to guide us through things. Stephen Mansfield wrote this. Men need to submit to more capable men. We do not have all the resources we need even in the best of times. We certainly don't have what we need in seasons of failure and embarrassment. We have to have mentors. We have to have coaches and trainers and fathers. We need men who don't fear us and are tough enough to press painful truths into our lives. We can't rebuild without them. Today it's important for men in this place, and uh, as, as men, as you're raising your boys up to be young men, you need a guide in your life. You need mentors. You need trainers. It's so important you know, many times in our lives, we just resolve to kind of do things on our own. We do have a fatherless generation. In fact, society basically has put fathers aside. We don't need fathers anymore in the culture we live. You know, but there is only one person that can teach a boy to become a man, and that's another man. Moms, if there's one thing I can tell you, you can't teach your boy how to be a man. Can I get an amen there? You can't teach your boy to be a man. You need men to teach boys to be men. Masculinity. You know, we've been stripped of all that in our culture. We've gotten to a place in our lives where you can kind of choose the gender you want to be. You know, one thing is that God did create men and women. And the one thing that science can never change is the DNA that God put in you. You might say, oh, I'm not in the mood to be this or do this, but God made you special and he made you unique and a great person in the kingdom of God. And for our little boys in the culture today, if there is one thing we need to teach our boys how to be, and that's how to be men. Not too excited today, are we? <laughs> men, are you resolving to live without needing help today? Where do you need help right now, honestly? You don't have to... Shout it out or whatever, but just think in your mind, where do you need help right now? Where do you need the biggest help? You know, we don't mind going to tutors for school. We don't mind getting coaching in business. We'll go to business coaches and how to be more successful at making money. Folks, we don't need more help with that stuff. Do you know what we need more help with? We need more help coaching and saying, how can I become a better father? How can I be a, a better man? You know, that's why I love the fact that this camping trip was timed out the way it was and the place it was on Father's Day weekend because it was a bunch of men just hanging out, laughing. There were times in there where I was just in tears talking to Kevin, just laughing. I said, Kevin, I haven't laughed like this in months, just having belly jerkers. It was great times there for us men to be with men. Men, let me tell you something. You cannot be an island unto yourself. You need a guide. It can't just be you and God in the Bible. 
And you never graduate here on this side of the earth. And as long as you're on this side of the earth, you'll need good counsel, you'll need good wisdom, and I dare say, you know what, if you're not hanging around men in your life that have more gray hairs than them, you better start finding some. It is amazing to me how men will get advice, and we'll get advice from all our pals and our drinking buddies and stuff in life, and we don't have success there because we need to find a man out there that is loving God with all of our heart, praying dying man's prayers, and living with masculinity that God has blessed them with. Amen. Problem for us men, we're all like this, aren't we? Are you teachable still? Are we teachable? Often in church and Bible studies, it's hilarious with people. They're like, oh, I've gone to that Bible study before. I've studied this before. And that's not even the point. Do you know that? <laughs> do you know getting together has less to do necessarily with text and learning more Bible? Because I get it, you know the Bible. And you know how to pray. And you know what to say. But I want to ask today, are you teachable? Do you walk into a situation and you say, God, what from your word, what from these men that I surround myself with that I can gain from them so that I can get an advantage in this life for me? Please be teachable once again. Be teachable in your heart. Say, God, I need to humble myself. I have allowed pride in the areas of my life. I've become stubborn. I don't listen to anyone, and I'm quick to judge, and I'm quick to speak, but I'm slow to listen in these areas of my life. Many men say, I've got this. We've said this, I've got myself into the problem. I'm going to get myself out. See, the problem, in spiritually, spiritually speaking, in our lives is the problems we've gotten ourselves into, we can't get ourselves out of them. The things that we face in our life, men, are things that you might have jumped into both feet. Yep, you might be to blame. We're no, we have no problem saying I'm to blame. But listen, at there, we can't stop there. We have to say, now I need guidance getting out of this. I need help. I need knowledge. I need understanding of those things. Peter King was interviewing two-time NFL MVP. And I hate to talk about this guy. He's a, he's a Packers guy. But Aaron Rodgers. Peter King explained the secret to Aaron Rodgers' success as the most efficient passer in the NFL history. You know what Aaron Rodgers said in that interview from Peter King? He said, I want to be coached more. I want to be coached more. The best quarterback on the planet wants to be coached more. Do you know what's going to make great men? I don't care what your age is today. I want to be coached more. I want to learn more. I want to grow more. I want to have more opportunity to follow Jesus. Jesus, teach me your ways. You will never stop being a son. You know, that's the beautiful thing with our relationship with Christ. You will never acclimate yourself from being a son. He will always be our father. He said, you know, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me, and I will make your path straight. Men, may we be like Aaron Rodgers with life. And say, I want to learn more. 
I want to grow more. God, I want to humble myself before you. I want you to teach me and guide me. Turn real quick to Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Turn to somewhere where we say, I need some wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which paths to take. See, the thing of it is for us, you have lots of options and lots of choices in life. You know, America is the land of choice. We have choices of food, fast food. You know, have you ever gotten one of those things where you get log jam on what to eat? You ever done that before? You're driving down, you're like, what am I in the mood for? We have so many options and opportunities to eat. We just, and we just... And that's kind of how we treat spiritually. Right? We just got so many options, so many things out there. Ah, it's no big deal. I can go to this conference. I can go to this. And we just kind of even lose our palate for the things of God in our life. This is a big verse with many insights. First of all, it says, lean not on your own understanding. Lean here means to support yourself. To support yourself is what it means. You cannot acknowledge God as long as you are leaning on yourself. So we can't say, I've got this all figured out, and at the same point in time say, I'm acknowledging God, meaning I'm knowing God, I'm becoming aware of Him in my life. And acknowledge means to yada, which means to know, meaning to know firsthand and have observation of who God is. In other words, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not secondhand smoke, so to speak. It's not something that you are aware of over here, but you know who God is and are aware of Him in your life. Mark Batterson wrote this about being teachable and growing. Pablo Casals is considered to be the greatest cellist of all time to draw a bow. He played for Queen Victoria when he was 21. He also played for President Kennedy when he was 86. Casals lived to the age of 96, and he was practicing at that point three hours a day. When asked why, he said, I'm beginning to notice some improvements. You know, we've heard it all the great sports guys. We're like, man, that guy's good, but I'll never be that good. The only reason he got good is because he sat there for hour and hour shooting free throws, playing catch, practicing the piano, playing the cello. You don't play the piano like this, though. So, you know, we'll, we'll go back to cellos like this, then the piano's like this. We'll reverse that order. Men, practice this. Practice this thing called church. Practice this thing called experiencing God. Practice this called getting around men. You, and, and not just getting around men. There's a bunch of bumbling idiots out there. Can I get an amen? Don't hang around bumbling idiots. You'll become one. You'll talk just like them. You'll act just like them. You'll become just like them. And so in your life, what you've got to do is you've got to say, I want to be teachable. I want to be that... 96-year-old man in the Lord who is saying, you know what, I am just starting to get this. I don't want to know it all. And I don't want to have the perception in my life like I think I have the answer for everything. I want to be humble and contrite and teachable. Are you teachable today? I mean, this applies to all of us in the church. 
And I think as we grow in our faith, and we grow in our faith, man, it should break us and humble us more and more. Not embolden us and make us more grumpy and more, oh, this. It humbles us as we walk in our relationship with God. It's amazing how many men walk around they've got thinking they've got it all figured out. And I just want to be one of those people in the team of guys who said, we don't got this all figured out, but we do follow someone who has got it all figured out. Number two, a father needs an armor bearer. Mark Batterson writes, an old adage says, misery loves company. It can be interpreted negatively, but I think it reveals something about our human nature. We can bear just about anything if we don't have to bear it alone. Men, don't bear your problem alone. Don't do it alone. You'll get burned in it. You'll die in it because you need, even in the middle of that miserable moment, even in the middle of that pain, you need to let out to someone that you trust, some man in your life, whoever it is. If you don't have a father in your life, then go to someone who's like a father to you. If you don't have a father in your life and someone like that, go to someone who you look up to and can encourage you and say, hey man, this right now is going on in my life. Will you help me through this? I call these kind of guys black alley guys, all right? So if you're in an alley in your life, a deep, dark alley, you've got that entourage of men that you want in your life in a dark, nasty alley. That's the type of people. I've got those people. They're wonderful people. They will do anything for you. Anything. They'll help you out. They'll do anything. They'll help figure things out. They'll help figure problems out. And it's not just spiritual problems. It's also life issues, going through things. David had Jonathan. You know us mighty men. Let's see what these mighty men did. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Turn there real quick. 1 Samuel 18 on these armor bearers. This is what ends up happening with them. And by the way, this isn't about perfection. So I want to say very carefully that your armor bearers aren't necessarily the perfect people in your life, but they are people who love God. Here's what happens. 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 3. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. And here's what happens. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. And the purpose of that was to say, everything that is mine is yours. I will protect you. I will take care of you. Everything that's armor, everything of value that is mine is yours. And I pray that as we enter in a relationship with other guys and start really coming around to that, we understand that there is a bonding spiritually that takes place that's far beyond anything else. This isn't a weather-talking bond. This isn't a football-talking bond, although those are very important tools. This is a man-to-man bond that can't be broken, saying what's mine is yours, and I will fight every battle that's yours on your behalf. David had his mighty men. Have you guys ever heard of the mighty men? Pretty amazing. What happens, David had his mighty men who would do anything for him. A two-star general was sharing at Mark Batterson's church, and he said, You let us share in the miracle, said the general, but you don't let us share in the struggle. You know, many times in the church we like to hear, we, we, we showcase all the miracles. Well, look what happened here, and look what's happening here. But nobody gets to hear the struggle. 
It's like there was never a struggle. We're all okay. Turn somewhere and say, hey, our house is perfect. Isn't yours? Can you turn somewhere and say that? Man, you would think nobody in church is having any struggles. He said this two-star general says, we get to share the miracles in church, and we got the fog machines going, and woo, this is all grand. But we don't see behind the scenes in people's life the very struggle that's going on. We can't have armor bearers if we don't know that there's a struggle. Armor bearers share in the struggle. And David's mighty men, these were champions. These were men that, uh, many names of them, we'll go through some of them shortly, but these men did some miraculous things on David's behalf in fighting with him. The armor bearers share in the struggle. Men, if you don't have an armor bearer, you need to find one. And by the way, in order to get a friend, you've got to be a friend. You're not calling people, talking to people, then it's going to be hard to create a relationship because it has to take two people engaging and getting out of comfort zones and areas where they don't feel comfortable and saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to open up a little bit to this. We've had guys that Bible studies, I don't show the details, but they just decided to open up. And it's amazing what happens in the context of that meeting when they open up. It's almost like the air just gets free in that place. And we get the church off of us, which we got a lot of church off us. We get the church off. And we get down to kind of the nitty-gritty in people's lives, and we start to open up, and we actually start to pray, and we start to surround people, and we say, that's what this is about. Do you have an armor bearer? If you don't, it's time to find one. You won't find him at the bar complaining about his job and family. No, this man will be on his knees. This one will be the committed one. This one will be the quietly walking with the Lord in the middle of difficult struggles one. Real quick, turn to 1 Corinthians, or 1 Chronicles chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11, a few books forward from Samuel there. 1 Chronicles 11, chapter 10. Or, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 10. These are the leaders of David's mighty warriors. Together with all of Israel, they decided to make David their king, just as the Lord had promised concerning David. Here is the record of David's mightiest warriors. Think about these guys now. These are his mightiest champions. These are his fighters. Here's the record of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jeshobim, the Hakmonite, who was the leader of the three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. This isn't movie stuff. This isn't DC Comics, folks. This is real life. Next in rank among the three was Eleazar of Dodai. Excuse me for all of my um, mispronunciations here. The descendant of Eoa. He was with David, with the Philistines gathered for battle at Pass Damon and attacked the Israelites in the field full of barley. The Israelite army fled, but Eleazar and David held their ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines, so the Lord saved them, giving them great victory. Once when David was with a rock near the cave of Eldam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephium. The three who were among the thirty, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and the Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarkingly longing to his men, oh, how I love some of the good water from the well gate of Bethlehem. 
So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate of Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. God forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are the examples of the exploits of the three. Abishai, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the thirty. He once used his spear to kill three hundred enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such speeds that he became as famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the thirty, and their commander, though he was not one of the three. There was also Benai, son of Jadoa, a valiant warrior from Kazbel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit, and he killed it. Folks, this are David's mighty men. Can you imagine chasing a lion? I mean, isn't the lion supposed to be chasing me? <laughs> he chased the lion into a pit! We need to get down and dirty once again in our spiritual walk and say, you know what, this isn't all cute and it's all that coffee table gospel expressions. This is a moment in our life where we have men fighting for the very lives of their family and for their children and standing in the gap and believing big things for them. We need some lion chasers here today. Amen. By the way, men, one of your greatest armor bearers that you can ever find is your wife. Then get an amen from the men. Can I try that again? This is, I'm helping you guys. It's Father's Day. Jeez. Amen. One of the greatest armor bearers you can have in your life is your wife. Amen. You guys can shake my hand afterwards. A prudent wife, the Bible says, is from the Lord. She has saved your very skin with a prayer she's prayed over you. Your wife, your armor bearer, has insights about things that you don't even know about. I thank God for my wife because she has shared things with me and given me insights and prayed for me and given me angles and things that I never would have even seen before. And my wife's prayers and support of even going in and doing messages. She always says, Steve, you're going to have a great message this week. That's one of the things. And half the time I'm going in there, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to have anything. She's like, Steve, it's going to be great. Just go get it. Amen. Your wife is your greatest armor bearer. And let me encourage you, the wives in here, if you don't quite know how to be an armor bearer, you maybe have fallen a little short in that area, to encourage the father of, in your home, the father of your children, encourage him, build him up, speak blessings over him this day. Be an armor bearer to him. He already has enough arrows being shot at him. He doesn't need to know all the wrong. He needs to know the right more often. Your wives, the wives are so important here in building up the husband to pushing him forward into the things of God. Husbands and wives, you've talked about money. You've talked about paint choices. You've had some of the most greatest discussions about how your home's to do this and some of the greatest discussions about vacation. But let me tell you, there's something that we miss out on, and it's called spirit to spirit. And if you're not praying together, you're missing out on the majority of what your relationship is supposed to be. To hell with our pay choices. You have a spirit to spirit. You are one flesh. Men, let me challenge you to get your emotions back. Charles Stanley wrote this. Emotions carry an important meaning 
often an expressible one. Sometimes it's the emotion that carries through that words can't imply. You know, you, you kind of lose your words. It's kind of like me sitting down. I, I feel like sometimes I need a speechwriter with things as I'm writing it because I can't put it on pen. But let me tell you something. Emotion is what carries some of those inexpressible thoughts. And men, I challenge you to kind of hone in. You can call it whatever you want. But David was really good at fighting giants and lions. But he was also really good at dancing before the Lord and playing a harp, folks. He had a full emotional gamut going on in his life. He was a champion of men among men, but he could play a really good harp. Emotions carry an important meaning, often inexpressible ones. The next thing is this, men. You need to know right now today, if you can leave here with all your problems, I want you to know, men, fathers that you have opportunities right before you. I read this poem and it said this, This I beheld or dreamed in a dream. There spread a cloud of dust along a plain, and underneath the cloud or in it raged a furious battle, and men yelled and swords shocked upon swords and shields. A prince's banner wavered and then staggered backward, hemmed by foes. A craven hung along the battle's edge and thought, Had I a sword of keen steel that blue blade and the king's son bears? But this blunt thing, he snapped and flung it from his hand, and lowering, crept away and left the field. Then came the king's son, wounded, sore-bested and weaponless, and saw the broken sword, hilt buried in the ground and trodden sand, and he ran and he snatched it, and with the battle shout lifted afresh, he hewed his enemy down, and saved a great cause that heroic day, Edward Roland Sill wrote. Here you have one man who looks at his broken sword, and he says, this worthless thing will never win a war. And he throws it on the ground. Then you have the king's son who's been beat up and battered, doesn't have a weapon. And he sees this blunt sword, and he says, now I've got something. And I want to tell you men today, and fathers here, and everyone you find in a place of disadvantage and you feel destroyed and defeated, the sword in your hand might be blunt, but a sword using it in the name of the Lord is a very strong and mighty sword. And you have an opportunity today to pick the sword back up, as horrible as it is. You know, my son's got a really big sword. My friend gave it to him. He's got this big, huge, like, medieval times sword. We went to medieval times. I wanted to do kind of a knighting ceremony with Hunter, and so me and uh, Tyler and Hunter and his dad went and we got front row seats and you get to see these guys fighting and going after it but there's this big sword he's got in there. I want him to always know that the sword that God has given to him is a powerful, mighty sword and he's got opportunities to win the battles that he's facing right now. You turn to people right now and say, man, I'm disadvantaged. I, I don't have the same opportunities you've got. I don't have that. I don't have this. Oh, you have got a whole lot. You've got an opportunity to wave the sword again. Father, wave that sword again. Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing. Stephen Manfield wrote this. Mom, you can stay where you're at. We're, we got a little bit left. We get into these things. Life in the fallen world is risky and dangerous. Losses will come. Failures will happen. Our journey will not be a constant, joyful, upward ascent. Man cannot allow failure and loss to destroy him. I see it all too often with men just kind of giving up. You do have opportunities, and yes, you've messed up maybe, but pick up the broken sword and fight and believe 
Stephen Manfield wrote this kind of really telling thing. He said, I began to understand that the simple willingness to fight back after misfortune is one of the most important features of genuine manliness. Women certainly face these crises too, but frankly they seem to be more courageous and capable at such moments. I can say him into that. Men seem more likely to doubt themselves, more likely to put a bullet through their heads, or live the rest of their lives at the bottom of a bottle. The statistics bear this out. Guys, I don't want you to give up. Fellas, I don't want you to go off in your little world into a defeated substrate wherever you've gone and say it is what it is. It's not is what it is. You have an opportunity today. And you have an opportunity to learn and to grow and to say, God, I'm going to use and I'm going to steward the things that you've given to me. I'm not going to put my head in the sand anymore. I'm not going to go off and just do the sports thing or do the drinking thing and do all this kind of stuff that kind of clouds my madness. I'm going to be awake again and I'm going to be vibrant. I'm going to use this blunt sword and I'm going to take things down. Men, I want to ask you this today. What opportunities are in front of you? John Wooden had a creed and he said this. Make each day your masterpiece. As a simple creed, make each day your masterpiece. So, you know what? Forget about yesterday. Forget about last week. Forget about what was done. Forget about all of that. And you have to say, today is my opportunity to make a masterpiece of the moment in my life. There's an opportunity lying in front of you. I know of one big opportunity that you have for you, and starts right now today for Father's Day. It's a big celebration. Start your restoration process today with celebrating. Celebrate something. Celebrate someone. Celebrate a father-like figure in your life. Celebrate your father. Celebrate this. Celebrate someone by saying, hey, you know what? I love you enough to say, man, I love you, and I'm just so happy to have you in my life. Mark Patterson wrote this. I don't believe our greatest shortcomings is not feeling bad enough about what we're doing wrong. I think our greatest shortcoming is not feeling good enough about what God has done right. When we under-celebrate, we fall short of the glory of God. So men, today I challenge you to celebrate. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? What do you think of your loved ones right now? And we under-celebrate too often, and the church is really bad at it. We don't make joyful noises. We don't want to get too excited about things. But today, men, I challenge you to celebrate today. Celebrate those in your life. And even, do I dare say, celebrate the miracles to come that even haven't come yet. And start making celebratory proclamations over your life and over your family. And be encouraged because there are those who are praying for you and are fighting for you. And you might today have a sword on the ground that's laying in the sand that you kind of kicked and said it's not even worth it. You, dear one, have an opportunity to pick that sword back up and see how God uses you like a mighty man, like one of David's mighty men. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, in this place, fathers, mothers, you say, you know what, I put that sword down, I threw it away, thinking it was worthless, and I want God to restore this area of my life. 
If there's one place it starts with honesty, it's at the altar of God. As we kind of take stock and become introspective and we say, God, search me and try me. God, search our hearts today. Men today, you say, I'm going to pick that sword back up in this area of my life, whether it's a temptation, whether there's a failure from the past, whether it's a present struggle right now that that socket wrench that you thought would fix it spiritually is not. But you might have the blunt sword, the broken sword that you threw away. God's going to use that through you to accomplish His victory in your life. Today, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, I'm picking that sword back up right now. This isn't just for the men, but it is specifically for men, but it's for everyone. You say, yeah, I'm picking that sword up today. Why don't you raise your hand today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am picking that sword up. Why don't we all pray this together? Dear Jesus, I thank you for accomplishing your work in my life. Forgive me for throwing aside the things in my life that I didn't think would give me victory. I trust you now. And as I pick it up again, I choose to swing it, not with my strength, but with your strength. Thank you, God, for the opportunities that lie before me. It's not over. It's just beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you very much, folks. And for those of you who raised your hand, I want to tell you that those opportunities God's going to give you again. And I love it as God restores confidence in us, as he gives us new things. He says, listen, we'll go back to those things and we'll restore those paths. We'll do it one step at a time. But celebrate the fathers in your life. Love on them. Celebrate those people. I love you very much and have a wonderful, wonderful day. We've got some goodies in here. Don't leave without eating some goodies. But uh, we love you very much. Have a great day. Amen.